This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Taryn Hayes. Welcome again to the Lydia Project Conversations with Christian Women. I'm Taryn Hayes. Today's guest is our very own Tori Walker. Tori began the Lydia Project towards the end of 2016. At the time, she was keen to listen to similar content, hearing the stories of God's hand in the lives of Australian Christian women in a podcast format, but she had not been able to find anything that quite caught her vision. So in true Tori enthusiasm, she figured, well, if I can't find it, maybe I can start it. And that's a very simplified version of how the Lydia Project was born. It's been six years since then, four years since I joined, and almost 100 episodes of chats with women about God's hand in their lives. It's been such an edifying journey for us both and for our many guests and listeners, but that journey is tapering off for Tori, as she will explain in our chat today. In fact, that is partly why we figured that it was about time that Tori took the seat of the guest and that our listeners got to hear her story. I won't give away much in this intro, except to say that this chat is everything you would expect from Tori. Generous and warm, hilarious and entirely unpretentious, honest and thoughtful. I also want to say thank you to Tori for her six years of faithful ministry through the Lydia Project and her wonderful godly example to me of what I quite frankly aspire to, to be in patience, grace and trust in Jesus. And especially today, for her sharing with us all her story, so transparently and honestly, particularly the more difficult parts. In fact, as we talked, I found myself again in awe of God's work in her and through her. I'm very grateful for Tori and for Jesus, and my prayer is that her story will cause all of those who hear it to pray, to rejoice, and to keep on keeping on in Christ no matter our circumstances. So here we go. Please welcome with me my co-host and guest for today, Tori Walker. So we're going to start with you, Tori, with the same question we start with everybody, which is, how did you come to faith in Christ or grow significantly in him? Well, the short answer is that I heard the good news about Jesus Christ dying in my place so that God would forgive me of my sin and rebellion against him. I was about 15 and I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, what an awesome offer this is. I bet everybody sitting here in this room is going to pray this prayer. So that's the short answer. I guess the slightly longer answer is that God used a particular church, St. Clement's in Mossman, in quite a few different ways to bring me into a relationship with him. So from the RI teachers, Christian studies, scripture, whatever you call it, um, at my local public school, they came from that church. Um, There was a girl down the road who invited me along to Sunday school for a while there when I was in primary school I would go and then a friend invited me along to the youth group at that church and 
she invited me because her older sister went and there were boys there. The boys drove cars, so she thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> so at age 14, we rocked up. She didn't come back. I think the boys were not up to her kind of hoped-for standard. <laughs> but actually, God had planted a seed in me, and I really wanted to learn the truth about Jesus. I really wanted to learn more about the Bible. And it was through doing a confirmation class, which is a thing that happens in the Anglican Church. You confirm the promises that were made at your baptism. And it was through those confirmation classes that we read the Gospel of Mark. And I came to understand that I was sinful. God wasn't actually super impressed with my behavior, which is seriously what I'd previously thought. And realized my need for Jesus. And it it was a really good course, like going through the Gospel of Mark and then the minister of our church, John Mason. He interviewed all of us um, to make sure we really understood what promises we were making and when he interviewed me it was actually right after the camp where I'd just become a Christian so for me the confirmation was actually really significant it really was me confirming those promises and yeah it was just a great place to be surrounded by people who just really valued encouraging people to stand firm in Christ and grow in him so I was at that church from the age of about 14 15 to 21 22 yeah So in that time, from 14 to 22, what did you get up to? Oh, you know, I was part of a youth group and then I was like a leader in the youth group and there was a bunch of really good friends actually who one of the guys was a little bit older. Um, You know, he saw a lot of his own friends not stick at following Jesus and he saw us. We were sort of three or four years younger than him, quite a big group of us who didn't necessarily all come from Christian homes. And so under God, he actually worked really hard to lead us and love us and teach us and pray for us and help us stand firm in Christ. So, yeah, yeah, pretty significant ministry went on at that church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always love that part of your testimony because, you know, one guy has such a lasting impact on so many teenagers and Mm -hmm. just because he invested in relationships. And his parents also recognised that that was a really valuable thing for him to do and even though he was studying med... You know, he made the time to do this, but his parents recognised that that meant he probably didn't also have time for a a paid job. So they were happy to sort of support him to an extra level so that he could do that for us. That is cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Speaking about ministry, what ministry are you currently involved in? Oh, look, lots of bits and pieces. I don't want to call it SPAC filler, but that's how it sometimes feels. (laughs) (laughs) Just like lots of little kind of areas where I'm needed so a big one is obviously ministry to family so I have one husband and four teenage boys although I'm only feeding three of them at the moment yeah in in my local church I'm involved sort of where I can be so bible study bit of hospitality I'm coordinating a morning tea serving team I've always kind of tended just to try and serve where I'm needed so sort of see what the needs are at a particular place and either get involved or sort of if someone asks for volunteers I think well do I have the capacity to do that can I do it do I want to do it I'll, I'll jump in and give it a go so yeah currently one of the things our church is doing is um once a month feeding homeless people in our area so yeah I'm on a little team that does that as well so yeah bits of bits and pieces around church Another ministry, of course, is the Lydia Project. Um, And it's been a joy to chat with people about their faith in Christ and 
give others the opportunity to hear about his work in the lives of our guests. But as you know, Taryn, I'll be stepping away from this ministry and leaving it in your capable hands pretty much from now on. That one's kind of coming to a close, but another one that continues is, yeah, I also give talks now and then. So people ask me if I can give an evangelistic talk or teach the Bible at a particular event or weekend or whatever. And um, yeah, I'll say yes if I can. So Later this year, I'll be teaching at a Church Women's Day on Lamentations. And they're actually talks that I've already given once before, which is quite unusual to be able to give them again. Um, so I'll need to do a bit of work to refine and hopefully improve them for mm. this teaching day later on. That's fantastic. So the part that's not fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm sure for everybody listening, they'll be very sad not to hear more of your voice are we never going to hear your voice ever again Tori oh, never say never <laughs> I will still be a big supporter of the Lydia project I'm glad that it's going to continue at least for a while yeah. and yeah you and I might do a book chat or there might be someone that I'm just busting to interview that I'll jump back into yeah. the feed and yeah with your so. permission pop an interview <laughs> in <laughs> yeah I'll be sad to see you go but lovely to hear all the ways in which you are involved and actually I have a question about that because how do you decide whether you've got capacity for something yeah it's a good question I think I mean different stages of life I have different kind of parameters I do think ministry is super important I think sharing the good news about Jesus building people up in him it's the most important thing. So if I can fit that in sensibly, I will try. So how do I make the decisions? I mean, at the moment I'm working probably about three-ish days a week, like money work. So around that, I guess I just try and do a bit of a balance of some regular things, but then leave enough room to be able to do ad hoc catch-ups or other ministry things I don't really have a good answer but I actually I just what I value is what you said right in the beginning about the importance that you value ministry and you see that you know you've got to have an attitude towards it that sees it as important in order to then take the next step I think many of us go oh we don't have capacity I've got too much on my plate because we don't actually put ministry in its right place or in a good place and so I think that's really helpful, actually. And then you, each of us do have different capacities. I think you happen to be one of those people that probably has a fair bit more capacity than the rest of us. Well, I mean, and at the moment, I think, you know, yeah. everything God has given to us is a gift. And at the moment, God's given me good health. Mm-hmm. And that gives me time and energy that perhaps I won't have at a different stage or other people don't have right now or... I do think that ministry does often involve sacrifice. Yeah. Like it, it's a sacrifice of our time or our money or our energy or what we want to do. And there's wisdom in knowing how much we can sort of push that. Like if, yeah, I mean, there have been times where I probably have pushed probably a little bit too much. I remember once I was pregnant with uh, number three or whatever and, you know, running a playgroup and a Bible study. And <laughs> also then there was a bunch of Indonesian students that really wanted to do Christianity Explored. And I kind of knew that it was a bit silly, but 
like, how do you say no to that? Mm. They didn't know Jesus. And so I did end up doing that sort of for the last kind of eight weeks of the pregnancy. And man, I was so tired after those nights. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, you made it work. I think that, that I think sacrifice well, is key. Yeah, but look, if I'd done two of those groups that would have probably pushed me over the edge. Yeah. So, yeah. But may I, and it's, it is a wisdom thing, isn't it? Some people probably yeah. need to be encouraged to lean yeah. into it a little bit more. Some people need to be encouraged to, you know, lean back a little yes. bit more. Yeah. Mm. And also what you said about looking and seeing where the needs are, because, uh, you know, we're humans. We can categorise certain ministries as more superior than others and I just love that you see where the needs are and you get involved and whether it's tea or feeding people or running bible studies or you know the more so-called glamorous roles you just get involved where you need to get involved I think that's great I think it's a good example what's big on your radar at the moment what are you passionate about and how is it impacting your faith the biggest thing on my radar at the moment is actually um, another sort of, I guess, aspect of ministry is that I have been serving on the organising committee of the Queensland Theological College for a number of years. And at the moment, we are facing a unique set of circumstances where the building that we're operating in needs to be sold as part of the receivership that the Presbyterian Church of Queensland is currently under. So that means our college is faced with trying to work out what's best to do in terms of our accommodation and the board have just worked really really hard for a number of months as to the best way forward and we've come to the conclusion that the best way is for us to try to raise the money to buy the building to secure the accommodation needs in future. So I'm pretty passionate about that it's taken a lot of work to get here there's a lot of background stuff about legal structures and fundraising structures and probably about 16 things that needed to happen in a particular order Um, the last one hopefully is happening almost as we speak and that is opening a bank account so that we can (laughs) accept donations for this particular project yeah that's been a really big thing and I guess I'm really kind of grateful and excited that we're at this particular point now where we can actually ask people for money and I know some people listening might not really understand why I would be excited about asking people for money but the thing is we are really committed to the college we think it's great and we think it's a great thing for people to support financially if they're in a position to be able to do that and I guess the excitement is that you know we're able to do it and serve the college in that way but also I guess it's really now up to us who know the story of college and the situation it's in to be able to explain that to people because there are lots of sort of things you need to understand as to why would I give money to this Mm. organization at this point in time so yes oh it has taken up quite a bit of time and it's going to take up a bit of time hopefully for the next two months or so that is fantastic I'm very excited about it as well I'm hoping that you guys do manage to raise the funds it's a substantial amount of money it is look it's Eight million is the figure we're kind of, I mean, it could be less, it could be more, we're not sure, but eight million is the figure we've got, which is eye-watering. But <laughs> I said to Dave the other day, I mean, that's such a big number, but it's actually, it's only $10,000, like, from 800 different people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, there's some very generous people who've actually pledged to give a lot more than that. So I guess that brings that 800 number down quite a bit. And I love that everybody and anybody who's passionate about ministry, no matter how big or small the donations are, can contribute and be a part of this. Absolutely. Not all of us can be Bible teachers and lecturers at QDC, but we certainly can support the ministry and to raise future leaders and... I'll pop a link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> what a good idea. <laughs> oh, that's um, very cool. Another thing is I am pretty passionate about evangelism and sharing the truth about Jesus with people, but I actually am not having many opportunities to do that at the moment. And I feel like my work is with me and a computer and all my lovely clients who I email and occasionally talk on the phone to, but it's pretty much me just this particular stage in my life it's something I'm still passionate about but you know apart from a handful of friends who don't know Jesus who I pray for and you know sometimes we chat about things if it comes up not particularly having heaps of opportunities I thought I'd just throw that in because I'm still passionate about it even though I don't really have any you know great stories to tell you at the moment or anything like that but you have in the past (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And look, so I'm, season, I'm still praying, praying for yeah. opportunities, and who knows where they might happen. I think the last conversation I had with someone was down in our communal pool of our unit complex, so they can happen anywhere at any time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. And I, I've seen you in action. You've gone with my daughter to go chat to people in marketplace. We have, yeah. yeah. That was very fun. Yeah. Very cool. What else is on your radar? Well, I'm also praying about whether the time is right to shift out of my current paid work and get back into doing more formal ministry um, with my time. So in the past, I've, yeah, I did some ministry training. Then I went to college, really, because I was excited about the idea of doing school chaplaincy work. And so I studied at Theological College and worked with a school chaplain for two years and then in that time got married to Dave and we ended up moving to Townsville and working with the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, so that's uni students, which we did, well Dave headed up that ministry for 10 years, I was full time with him for one year and then started having babies and so was a support to him and sort of got involved where I could, so we'd host things at our house and depending on who was available to look after my kids and who wanted to do that sometimes a day a week you know I'd sort of keep doing it but yeah I haven't really done any I guess dedicated ministry not that it has to be paid to be dedicated but you know what I mean that kind of this is my role sort of for two three four days a week type of ministry and yeah I'm just starting to think and pray about whether the time is right for me to maybe get back into that kind of ministry so my money work I took up when Ethan went to school, Ethan's Ethan's the youngest, youngest. (laughs) thank you, (laughs) to be able to contribute some money to our family finances and it's been very good for that but yeah maybe I could be earning that money working in a school context you know as an assistant chaplain or a chaplain or an RI teacher or something like that so yeah I I don't think the time is right you know next month or even maybe six, 12 months. Yeah, Something in just thinking and praying. and. Okay. Hmm. What would happen to your, your business? Oh, look, that's why it can't happen straight away because at the moment my business also employs my husband, Dave. Yeah. So it's not that easy to just suddenly wind up. I mean, it is, but it wouldn't be great for our family's <laughs> finances if we did that. So, yeah, we've just got to kind of work out how to do that. Okay. What's made you 
have this change of mind or change of heart? Yeah, so 10 years ago, Dave and I moved down to Brisbane. He stepped away from full-time ministry, and so I guess I did step away from that kind of life as well. And he's been working in a regular kind of job for the last 10 years. So why now, I guess... When he first stepped away from ministry, part of me thought it was just going to be temporary. It would just be, you know, six months, one year, two years. I realised, obviously, after that time that it was going to be longer. But, yeah, now it's been ten years. He and I have been talking more about, okay, well, if this is what things are going to be like moving forward, or if this is permanent, then what does that mean for me? And, you know, is there a space for me to do ministry um, in a more full-time capacity, which is something I guess I really just sort of took straight off the table because I didn't want to be unhelpful to where Dave was at or put sort of pressure on him where he was at in terms of his um, faith, which was the reason why he stepped away from um, ministry. Why did he step away from ministry 10 years ago? Yeah, look, it's difficult to talk about because it's his story, it's not mine, and it's complex, and his feelings about things change. So... I'm hesitant to paint a picture that then remains static in people's minds mm-hmm. um, when, you know, like I might have a conversation with someone and here I'm having a conversation with you and potentially hundreds of people who might listen and then, you know, in a month things might be different but the picture I paint today will be what people just kind of subconsciously assume is continuing if they think about it. So, yeah, I've got some hesitations around that but basically... He had a crisis of faith and decided that he couldn't in good conscience lead the ministry that he was leading or, you know, potentially any other kind of ministry that he might have moved into. And at first he didn't want a whole bunch of people knowing about what exactly he was going through because he didn't want their faith to be rocked as well because he had been pretty significant in the lives of quite a few uni students helping them make pretty big decisions and helping them grow in Christ and we know that because they told us and so he didn't really want to kind of be super public about it because he didn't want them to be rocked by it also he wasn't really sure what it was you know was it burnout was it doubts was it spiritual attack you know how long was it going to last you know in my mind it, it was probably all three of those things and all wrapped up together but it it was difficult to know how much what was what so I've always tried to walk a line of being honest in general about it um, respectful of Dave in the way I talk about it and I guess cautious with the details and anyone who's known me in the last 10 years would probably know that (laughs) I err on the cautious with the details and I'm also wary that if I do share a little bit You know, people do naturally make assumptions and that's not a judgment. We all do it. It's just what we do. But they're not always right. And I guess I haven't wanted to be a part of people making wrong assumptions, um, especially about Dave. But, you know, people make assumptions anyway. And Dave and I know that. And we know that we can't control what people think. So, yeah, it it is a complex little situation. But I guess one of the reasons why I said to you I do want to talk about it is because... Something that I've been increasingly feeling is that I guess if we don't say anything, there are people who do assume that, you know, because Dave and I go to church almost every week, that we're at home leading super spiritual devotions with our kids over dinner every night and 
we're just not. And so I sort of feel a bit fake that, you know, oh, Tori's leading a podcast as a host, so she must, she and her husband must be this type of Christian, you know? So I sort of feel fake if I'm not honest about that. And that's been a, a real tension with the other things that I've said. But yeah, Dave said that he's happy for me to talk about it. Um, strangely, one of his reasons he's happy is because he acknowledges that it might actually help other people who are in a similar situation. And I guess in his situation, he is sort of aware of people who are struggling with their faith. People do, I guess, confide in him if they know. Um, so he knows kind of how prevalent it is that people are struggling with their faith and not always both couples in a marriage will be going through the same struggles at the same time. Mm. Where would you say Dave's faith is at now? Oh, look, again, I don't really like talking about it in one level because, you know, when I do open up that crack of a conversation with a Christian person, it's like all of a sudden I have more in common with... Like there's an intimacy around that topic that we have more in common than I do with Dave Mm -hmm. and it's a weird dynamic where on that particular topic we have more in common than I do with my husband and that's strange on such an intimate kind of personal topic so yes acknowledging that difficulty I would say he is a bit paralyzed between doubt and belief personally I find that kind of limbo that he's in I mean it must be terrible for him but I find it really hard for me as well. Um, But I do need to accept that that's where he's at and pray that he would embrace faith in Christ. Obviously, that's my prayer and heart's desire for him. I have to admit, there are some times when I think it would just be easier if he just was not a Christian at all. Like, obviously, my desire is that he'd be a believing Christian. Sometimes this limbo is so hard, I think I would just rather him just not come to church, you know, stop giving wrong impressions and just make a jolly decision but you know as soon as I verbalize that thought or even internally kind of acknowledge that thought I realize that that's ridiculous and of course I don't want him to walk away from the faith and I do believe that God is holding him even if his faith is as small as a dried out mustard seed um, I don't want him to reject God so I don't want to force him to jump because if forced he would probably jump to unbelief. That's a lot of responsibility you've just placed on yourself, if forced, that he'll jump to unbelief. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately it's between him and God, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. What about you? What's the main impact on you? Oh, look, it changes in different stages. I think the biggest one has always been that I miss his Christian encouragement um, and his spiritual leadership of our family. That's the one that will get me teary. <laughs> you know, and I worry that the boys will get a warped sense of what being a Christian man is. Yeah, I mean, other impacts are not being on the same page in terms of um, priorities and particular decisions that we make as a couple. Again, complete honesty, sometimes feeling that Dave isn't as godly as he would have been if he had had a stronger faith. But, like, I say that with a smile because, you know, he's married to me. You know, I know how ungodly I can be. And even if it is true in parts, I don't want to overstate it. You know, sometimes I can think, he's not the man I married or, you know, he's the reason why this particular thing is really hard for me or is not going my way or, you know, why we're not still in full-time ministry or whatever. But God does quickly remind me that Dave is the man I have married and I do love him dearly. 
And this is obviously the path that God has for me and for us. Um, it's not my plan, but it's clearly his. So, yeah, there's an acceptance of that difficulty. I think I, I miss ministry as well, um, obviously. I think you've sort of heard me <laughs> heard that in my words. It's hard work, I know that. I, I guess, you know, hopefully I can be a support to my friends who are in full-time ministry because I really do get how hard it is to have your work so overlapping with your life and the most important thing in so many people's lives that you're caring for. It's just it can so easily become all-encompassing. Upon reflecting, the good impacts have been helping me not to um, idolise full-time ministry and not to, um, you know, get my sense of identity from the job that Dave does amongst the Christian community or, you know, the, the role that I have as his wife. That's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God, loved by him. So I think that's been a really good outcome for me, I think at times I probably did, you know, err in that side. So, yeah, it's been good um, to clarify my thinking and my heart. Also, I think I can see that God is at work, you know, at all times, in all things. And, yeah, I think this has given me an appreciation of that. And I think I, I do also appreciate Dave's love for me and our family. What I'm hearing from you is that you have come to these conclusions. I can't imagine it's it's been a very easy process for you so do you feel that you've knew that right in the beginning and it's just a wavering thing like how did you come to this point in time when you can actually speak to this I mean straight away I think I was in a bit of shock and I thought it was quite temporary you know there were hard things sort of day to day but yeah I thought it was sort of temporary and then when I kind of I guess realized that this was life I guess I guess I've sort of known the truth in my head and it's been just praying that God would help my feelings and my heart to catch up to that so mm. you know I've no, I know that I need to be content in all circumstances and you know love Dave and love him through this and pray for him and I guess just been praying that God would help me know those things that are true and yeah accept them mm. that's a bit rambly but I think as I look back that is that is the way I mean I remember early on a couple of people sort of reached out to me who were in a similar situation and honestly I just it was a club I didn't want to belong to you know <laughs> people whose husbands had you know fallen away from Christ or been involved in a particular sin that had cancelled their ability to be involved in ongoing ministry or whatever I, I did not want to be part of that club so I kind of I felt a bit bad but at the same time I just was like no I know what will be helpful for me and I think what has been helpful for me is having a small group of people who have just stuck with me who I've been honest with and I've been able to and they have prayed Mm. for me and for Dave and still do yeah and I think just remembering like this is one thing like it's not the only thing like Mm. the main thing is that God has made us and loved us and Jesus has died and will come back and all those things are still true and are actually far more important I'm also hearing from what you're saying that there's been a process of mourning because it isn't the life that you imagined. I mean, mm. you got married with the view of being in full-time ministry until the day you died. Mm. And that's a significant thing to have to recognize isn't the situation. And, you, and there's a mourning process, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's keeping you standing firm and growing as a Christian at the moment. 
Well, I was asked to review a book for the Gospel Coalition earlier in the year, and I'm so glad because it was such a helpful little book and it had some really encouraging truths in it. It's Nancy Guthrie's God Does His Best Work with Empty. And what I loved was her constant encouragement to draw deeply into depending on God and and drawing closer into a relationship with him through his word, by his spirit, as we read his word. And I just, you know, sometimes some truths need to just come at the right time through the right medium or whatever, but I just found it so helpful and it really encouraged me to slow down when I read the Bible really appreciate that you know at that moment that is how God is encouraging me and strengthening my relationship with him I have been really blessed by that and blessed to just have time to spend a bit more time in God's word you know not every day and don't don't make assumptions that it's you know (laughs) hour-long quiet times every day but yeah just I guess having the space to have an uncluttered mind and just, yeah, focus. And I'm loving my Bible study group at the moment, actually. I think I have been mostly a group leader for the last 30 years or so of being in Bible study groups. And it's really fun this year to be a group member and to be a group member of a group where we've got a fantastic leader, my friend Emma, who actually is the first person that I interviewed for the Lydia Project Yep, five or six years ago or whatever and it's just great to be with a bunch of women who are all really appreciating her leadership and who are all just really keen to get stuck into the word together and encourage each other and just every week I'm really encouraged by it. Favourite Bible verse or significant Bible verse? Yeah so recently I've, I've just had a lot on like the QTC stuff and just you know with family life there are just some patches that are just Mm. busier than others and it's been fun good stuff that I've been busy with mostly but when I get busy I can get stressed and a bit menopausally anxious (laughs) as I call it like I don't know Taryn whether it's menopause or not but I have heard that menopause can bring out anxiety in some people and I'm actually not normally an anxious person and it often happens at night when I'm getting kind of hot flushy kind of anxiety brain won't turn off sort of things so anyway whether it's menopause or not I feel like the response for me that is best for me is just to keep reminding myself of those classic on anxiety so recently I have been recalling Philippians 4 don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And sometimes I need to just keep recalling that over and over as I'm lying awake at 2am and my brain is like off like a rocket on some thing that I need to do when I wake up. I don't really have favourites, but that's one that I've been leaning on Mm. quite a bit just, just recently. I'm reading Jeremiah at the moment in my quiet times and... I've just read through chapter two and yeah there's just some really clear helpful um, contrast between sticking with God or forsaking God and turning to find satisfaction elsewhere and I think for me personally that's you know that's a challenge because I know that everything God has created is good and it's good to 
enjoy the things that he's provided you know we're physical beings so enjoy the art and the beauty and the sport and the food and friends and all those things but yeah I can enjoy them too much or you know like my focus can kind (laughs) of land there in a I guess looking I guess what's unhelpful is when I start to look to those things for my um I guess excitement or my kind of um you know that's what I'm passionate about or that's what gets me going in the morning or something like that when those things are good but I don't want them to be the things that get me going in the morning so I guess that's a temptation for me that I do fall into so yes reading Jeremiah 2 was a very (laughs) helpful bible passage yeah for that (laughs) to combat your um your perpetual optimism and enthusiasm for life (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually maybe Jeremiah's going to be good all round (laughs) (laughs) just give you some balance (laughs) can't all be completely optimistic all the time (laughs) oh goodness yeah. Well, that's usually our last question that we ask, but is there anything else that you want to share with the Lydia Project audience? Look, if this is if this is the last time that I'm speaking to the audience, I guess I'd want to say thanks for listening, thanks for your encouraging words and reviews and comments in person or, you know, on Facebook or whatever. Um, I'm actually looking at the microphone as I'm talking now. Did you notice <laughs> yes, that? Yes, I did. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Our prayer has always been that this podcast would provide some encouraging and stimulating content to honour God and encourage people to stand firm in Christ. So, yeah, that's our prayer. I guess I will keep praying that the Lydia Project keeps doing that. Yeah. I do want to say a real thank you for your friendship and for the way you drew me alongside you with this project. Your friendship came at a time when um, I needed a friend like you. And you have been incredibly open-handed and loving and generous in friendship and in uh, opinion and view and, and interpretation of things I say and do. Yeah, and just trusting me with your baby. <laughs> the Lydia project and just been enthusiastic about ideas and the way things are done and just been really easy easy going has been a wonderful experience for me as your friend and I want to thank you for that I, I, I would I could spend hours telling yeah. audience all the details but I know you'll be <laughs> enough already <laughs> um, thank you you are always much better with words than I am thank you for your kind words I'm so glad that we have done this together We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Special thanks goes to our platform host, The Gospel Coalition Australia. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper, and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary.